0: Hello and welcome to AIPT Comics Podcast, the number one comics podcast that goes on in David Brooke's house. Yeah. I'm David Brooke. I'm here with Nathan Simmons. Nathan, how you doing? I'm good. I feel like I'm in your house. You are. I mean, technically, your, your voice is in my house right now, even though we are hundreds of miles apart. Yeah,
1: sorry Sorry to the listeners for just, like, coming in hot. <laughs> like, Oh, we love to come in hot.
0: High energy. Yeah. Finish
1: strong. Yeah. Recording in the a recording in the middle of the week for once, which is a very weird. Yeah, little peek behind the curtain for everybody. But uh, if
0: any giant news happens Friday, right. don't blame us. This show was recorded Thursday night. Can we
1: make up stuff <laughs> that maybe happened? Yeah. yeah. So weird that uh, uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge is playing the Invisible Woman in the Fantastic Four movie. Yes. Let's just put that yes, into the that world. Was
0: crazy. I thought it was a weird choice to have Barney replace Thing, but I think purple is a smart move on there. <laughs> you know,
1: part. there there's a mod for Resident Evil 8 that has replaced, uh, like, a bunch of the villains with Barney the Dinosaur. No way. Yeah, That's awesome. I'll send you a clip. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, eerily, like, photorealistic. Like, it eerily matches the graphics of the game.
0: I love you. You love me. Zombies are a way to be. Zombies are, are a way boom, to in be. The face. You know, that's a mantra I live. By. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> now this is this is a peek at your album that's coming out. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that is uh, that is track nine. Yeah. It's titled "Love and War and the Apocalypse." Poor,
1: poor Jeff Smith has to be on the episode where we talk about Barney yeah. the Dinosaur.
0: Yeah. If you don't know, uh, Jeff Smith has a new book out called Tuki. It's on Kickstarter. You can actually still back it. Uh, I think there's something like fifteen days left on mm-hmm. it. Um, but uh, we got the chance to interview him. A written piece went up on AiptComics.com. Mm-hmm. A week or two ago now, and we have a full version. Say, yeah. uh, we we answer we we give him questions that he answered only on the podcast. So yeah, listen in <laughs> for some interesting takes on Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, uh, Warner Brothers, screwing over the Bone movie. <laughs> yeah, I actually had a friend
1: ask me when when I mentioned the interview. They were like, "Hey, so what's happening with that Netflix thing?" And I was like, "Just stay yeah. tuned, brother." Like, <laughs> oh. really excited about it. <laughs> It's
0: fun. It's a it's a fun chat, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we we talk a lot about Tuki, but also mm-hmm. a lot about Bone, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's a really just gracious guest. Yeah. He's really nice. really chill. So stay tuned for that. But if you're unfamiliar with this show, mm-hmm. this is the comic book podcast where we recap the biggest news of the week. We review the best comics of the week, mm-hmm. and we look ahead to the comics out next week uh, so that you can plan your week ahead. In the news this week, actually, it was it was a pretty crazy week for news. Mm-hmm. Um, with a, It runs the gamut. Uh, sometimes there are weeks where there's a lot of release news and mm-hmm. only release news. But this week, there is movie news. There's new release news, of course, but also some drama. Um, but we are going to have to start this week with some very sad news. Yeah. Uh, it came to our attention midweek. Uh, Jesse Ham, the writer and artist, has passed away. Um, his wife took to Twitter... Uh, and let everyone know uh, yeah. a blood clot took his life. Um, just incredibly tragic. Very sudden, too. You know, with John on last week, we've, mm-hmm. we're just losing people left and right. It's it's hard to believe. Yeah. It, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, oh, of course. And, and you know, I, actually, there's
1: a... Brian Cronin over at CBR wrote uh, a really, really lovely uh, piece about Jesse Ham's work. And uh, there was a quote that I just, I, I thought was just spot on it was talking about um his uh, his uh, twitter account tips from ham where he gave mm. people uh, insight into the creative process and and kind of his uh his funny like uh, look at the industry and uh, cronin wrote while ham was an excellent comic book artist he was perhaps even better when it came to writing about comics he jokingly mm. described Tips From Ham as, quote, Jesse Ham will not let his lack of fame or achievement stop him from tweeting advice <laughs> to all in sundry. But his work on Tips From Ham was an impressive achievement in and of itself. He had a brilliant way of teaching people with just a few words on Twitter, and his advice was excellent. And, and mm. absolutely, like, that's that's a great way to put it.
0: Just a gracious, giving person.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, and it's it's been really lovely to see the... I mean, obviously, it's terribly sad, but it's been really lovely to see all of the uh, other creators, uh, you know, uh, sending their condolences and, and reminiscing on, on their collaborations with him. And yeah, it's, it's been, uh, you know, it, it, it's very sad, but it's also brought a lot of people together and, and um, j- just in w- sharing good
0: memories. Yeah. Comics is a very small industry. Yeah. And with the convention circuit, everyone knows everyone. And oh, sure. It, This was a reminder of that. Just seeing people, you know, share stories and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully, uh, this will be the last uh, passing for a while. For a while, (laughs) yeah. But uh, we must carry on. uh, In our next bit of news, Uh, Image Comics has revealed the next story arc for the Department of Truth, and it involves a foot that's quite big. Uh, Sorry, I'm misreading that. It's a Bigfoot story. Mm. Get out of town. Bigfoot is everywhere. There's like a new documentary on Netflix about it. Is I think, there really? Yeah. 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 It, the cryptids are like back
1: Sasquatch baby. summer. <laughs> I love it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Much preferred over white boy. Summer. Yeah. Yeah. This is to be a two parter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a summer event essentially. Uh, yeah. there's a lot of really cool variant covers. If you, you can check those out on aptcomics.com um, by some very good artists, but, uh, I like that they're tackling Bigfoot so early. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're almost at the se- end of the second arc, technically, uh, At a, if you were to count arcs by six issues. Right.
1: So. And what I love is that the, the, the conception of Bigfoot is different on every single one of these posters. Like, some of them have a more abstract view. Some of them are almost more of a Planet of the Apes kind of vibe. And then one is like a... a mm. Uh, you know, a wild man in the, in the forest. Uh, yeah, it looks really cool.
0: Are there any conspiracy theories you're hoping they'll cover in the series?
1: I mean, I always, I mean, the the whole idea of this show, the series is that, you know, if you, uh, if, if you think if enough people believe in something, they become tulpas, like they become these thought forms. And I think that that's literally what it's going to be is that there wasn't a Bigfoot until people started, uh, (laughs) Constantly claiming to see one.
0: I'm trying to think of what I would want to see. I, I guess I'm just trying to think of my favorite X Files episodes at this point. Well, there's that really bad <laughs> Jersey
1: Devil episode, and then there's um, uh, yeah. oh, you know what? You know which What? What theory that I like is uh, is Mitch that's Hedberg's that. theory that like the reason Big all the photos of Bigfoot are blurry is because he just looked like that.
0: <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Optical illusion. Yeah. He's got like a like an invisibility cloak yeah, or something. Like yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: Oh, gosh. Well, moving on. There's some big news. Actually, it kind of relates to the Department of Truth, right? Because mm-hmm. we know there's a Department of Truth TV show coming. Yeah. Or something uh, down the pipeline. Well, it was revealed this week that Regina King is directing an adaptation of Image Comics' Bitter Roots. Yeah. much-beloved Eisner-winning series. This is really cool. Mm-hmm. One might assume it's uh, set up with HBO since uh, she just came off Watchmen. Yeah. Um, and did a fabulous job with that. But... Uh, Yet again, uh, I think we said this just last week. It's really good news when comics get adapted. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously. And I love sales. The
1: fact that Brian, Brian Edward Hill is doing the adaptation makes me really excited that he's adapting the script.
0: Yeah, that is cool. Um, I saw Brian Michael Bendis, like super excited about that Mm -hmm. on Twitter, about this news on Twitter. Um, but yeah, uh. Also, it just means there's a payday for the creators, especially since it's from Image mm-hmm. Comics. So that's great news, too. I, I think I saw something on uh,
1: as well on Twitter where when they first started, I think it was from David Walker. Uh, he said when they were first starting to talk about doing a TV series, he said, you know, I hear Regina King is directing now. <laughs> we should. Oh, yeah. Or someone, someone involved in the production said that. And I was just like, yes, this was meant to be. This came together exactly how it's supposed to. Um yeah, I'm really looking forward to to seeing what this turns into.
0: I mean, it's it's such an inventive crazy story. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they need to scale it back to make it work.
1: <laughs> I guess we'll uh, see in re- in real life or, or like dole it out a little bit and and you know, build the craziness over, you know, a season or two. There you go. Are they doing it as television or is it a film? Oh, Legendary Pictures. So yeah, it'll be a film. Okay.
0: Speaking of crazy.
1: <laughs> oh no.
0: Rob Liefeld uh is in the news again. Uh-huh. Uh, he has a, well, sorry, he had a series called Mighty Crusaders coming from Archie Comics. Uh-huh. And, wow, crazy drama unfolded over the internet, uh, over social media, I should say. I, don't, I don't
1: know that that's ever happened on social media.
0: <laughs> social media is always good and, well, you know, like very calm. Full of good and takes. think things through. Well, apparently uh, Archie released a variant cover mm-hmm. of some sort with a old man shield guy i don't even know what his name would be but anyway he's on the cover yeah basically it's cable let's be honest it looks but apparently it's a it's a major
1: spoiler for the story
0: yeah rob was furious because it spoiled the story therefore he is not going to do the whole whole, entire comic apparently right yeah so (laughs) this is insane yeah Uh, he ended up in in the comments he was actually giving away story ideas too he was telling people what was going to happen in the book yeah So I guess he had already reserved in his mind before even telling Archie officially, I'm
1: out, I'm done. Yeah, no, he he tweeted originally, he said, uh, when the he said, quote, when the key plot point slash element is revealed on a retail variant cover, it's probably time to exit the stage on this one. Like, seriously? And then later on, he updated it and said, Archie informed me they did not grant permission for this to be posted and shared, much less tagged to my page anyway it would have been great but this was kind of the backbreaker really dumb <laughs> so what an intelligent thing what to an say. interesting i yeah it's so wild i don't know it, it's it's just it's so interesting to me like that he he just like totally ditched on a on a project because of this i mean i get being frustrated but man
0: it's a real shame because honestly you know based on archie's the amount of comics they actually publish mm-hmm. The fact that some books like Sabrina had to take weird hiatuses <laughs> seemingly because they maybe didn't have the funds to publish it or something. I mean, I'm just totally speculating at right. this point. But it's quite clear Archie isn't the powerhouse of Marvel. They're not putting out a lot of books. They're not obviously dreading a lot of revenue. Yeah. And based on the way Archie released the press release to announce this book, mm-hmm. and they, I think they had a second press release about variant covers. There was like 20 of them by other artists, by the way. Right. Now, if there's no book coming, and at this point, I, I honestly don't know if it's official or not, if it's not coming, because knowing uh Rob Lightfield, he might come back out and just be like, Nope, it's coming out J.K. If the book doesn't come out, this is hurting Archie mm-hmm. far more than if Rob never took on the project at all, yep. right? Yeah, it's a it's a
1: huge waste of resources. And the covers time. have been drawn. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's writing and drawing the entire book, mm. but there are variant covers that were drawn yeah. by other artists. Does Archie now have to pay them and have nothing to show for Unfortunately, it? Unfortunately,
1: we'll have to wait to hear from Archie, because Rob Liefeld has blocked AIPT on Twitter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, they block, he blocked us uh, randomly a couple weeks ago. Um, but I, at first I was like a little shocked and upset, yeah. and then I remembered who he is and then i <laughs> saw a week later he blocked eric larson his co-founder yeah. of image comics uh-huh. and i was like okay well i guess everybody can get be blocked at this point uh-huh. no one is safe from the rob life <laughs> the block. shadow ban i wonder if he blocked archie that'd be funny um yeah.
1: but he did it he did it like it was a fan account like it was just pictures of archie from riverdale
0: yeah right
1: <laughs> he just he just blocked kj appa instead like the, just the actor who plays archie
0: yeah yeah yeah, starts posting memes. Bye, bitch. <laughs> okay, one, one last point about this I wanted to make. Okay, If this book never happens, mm-hmm. I smell lawsuit. I mean, there's money to be lost here. It's, Archie, yeah. could you imagine if Archie went out of business because of Rob lifefield breaking their back on this big project they were expecting to come out? Right. Sad news. Anyway, in happy news, <laughs> uh, The Nice House on the Lake, number one, mm-hmm. hasn't come out yet. Don't worry. It's... Uh, it's You didn't miss it. Right. But uh, James Tinian and uh, Martinez Bueno's book has apparently sold more issues than the Department of Truth number one, according to James Tynan. And okay, just just so you know, Image Comics did a big news piece about how many books the Department of Truth sold. I believe it was like over 100,000 copies and they had to go to second print. Right. That means this book sold over 100,000 copies in pre-orders. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy like wild those are fantastic numbers for the industry Mm -hmm. um but also like damn james tynan cannot lose do you think it's
1: because (laughs) of just like how pleasant the title is oh that's funny it's a
0: nice house on the lake (laughs) i want to just relax and read nice house on the lake
1: or people who think (laughs) it's an adaptation of the the lake house the keanu reeves movie
0: oh my god dude when i was writing uh a news piece on this i kept making that mistake you kept saying the lake house (laughs) Yes, I kept I kept writing it out wrong. I felt like such a dope. Oh boy, I have a feeling it's because a the Department of Truth is selling super well. Mm-hmm. B he's the current mainline Batman writer, so everyone knows who he is. And C the Joker rules, I guess. So yeah, put all those together, and you have a really good selling. Company. And
1: again, it's uh, it's a DC it's like original story, so there's not like a buy-in for it. Like people don't have to be caught up on any current events or anything to dive into this new like detective story, which is really cool.
0: It's also creator owned, so mm-hmm. I didn't realize DC Black Label was creator owned. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I I don't think I realized that until now either. I would love to get like Mary Javins on. We're just gonna have her on, to, and she's gonna ask. I'm gonna ask one question. <laughs> okay. How is it that the Nice House on the Lake is a DC Black Label book, mm-hmm. and yet you have DC Horror sitting right there mm-hmm. for a book like like what? The Conjuring. <laughs> <I don't> understand? <laughs> Come on. Oh. oh DC horror is just the conjuring... Uh, the love is that? it? Yeah. <laughs> Dear Lord. Um, moving on to Marvel news. Mm-hmm. Marvel had a bunch of reveals this week. Yeah. Uh, obviously because their August solicitations are coming, uh, I think next week. Yeah. I, I looked at my, account, my watch, like my watch says <laughs> when the solicitations come out. Um, <laughs> uh, they revealed that X-Men The Trial of Magneto mm. is on the way. It's a five-part series mm-hmm. by Leah Williams and... Um, artist is shoot lucas warnick so and valerio sheedy on covers. so this is interesting because marvel already teased that uh leah would be doing a book in august mm-hmm. and they had listed valerio sheedy as artist mm-hmm. but now he's doing covers so maybe he was uh moved over a little bit yeah it's one? interesting sure. also uh more hand
1: centric artwork for magneto <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're right they revealed uh was it last week uh
1: the, the John Ramita John Ramada Judah, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. With the enormous hands. I think he made a pretty good joke on this sh- very show. I'm sure I said about something that. about his meat hooks. I don't know. <laughs> uh, something that's buried in this news is the fact that X Factor is ending officially. Yeah. With, uh, number 10. And
1: then, then it was dropped in the last page of X Factor this week.
0: Yes. I think I saw uh, Leah tweet something about... It came as a bit of a shock, so it wasn't a decision. Yeah,
1: she said she found out while she was scripting issue number nine that that number ten would be the final issue,
0: right? Which right, is right. wild. Yeah. yeah, books end, books get canceled. Yeah. Uh, I imagine it's a sales thing because I know mm-hmm. fans just love this series. Yeah, yeah,
1: I think you know, and hopefully the the fact that they're giving her this event means that there's something that'll be spinning out of it that'll you know she'll continue to be able to tell those kind of stories but we'll see right yeah we will (laughs) we will
0: i wonder do you think he like loses his hand is that why i don't know
1: um it would be funny if this uh this chalk outline on the cover was just a big old hand
0: (laughs) (laughs) just hand imagery up and down just everywhere (laughs) Marvel also revealed a little bit more about the new character, Somnus, uh, who will be introduced in Marvel's Voices Pride No. 1, which is an anthology comic coming out in June. Um, But Somnus is... You know, it's funny. The press release doesn't say Steve Orlando is a co-creator or creator of Somnus, Mm. uh, but he will be writing the story that introduces the character who has dream power. Oh, yeah, you said she, that uh, that uh, Somnus kind of had a, a, a Morbius vibe. And apparently he's important to X-Men history long ago. And if you remember, last week there was a teaser with him where it showed, like, was, is, or something. It was like...
1: Yeah, who th- who was Somnus, yeah.
0: I think he's supposed to be a character that existed maybe during the original X-Men and then died. And now he's only being brought back because of the protocol things Mm. he has a cool costume though
1: yeah i love i
0: love the design i wish i could pull those pants off (laughs) do you want to rephrase that oh no i mean i wish i could wear those pants (laughs) yeah but they wouldn't fit me right oh that's funny i didn't think of it that way (laughs) oh god also marvel revealed Mm. the 60th anniversary of fantastic four do you feel old yet 60 year olds (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> all
1: the 60 year olds who were born oh. the day that fantastic four came out that are listening
0: right now yep it's a very iconic important part of their lives because they were born where the fantastic four comics were printed mm-hmm. and they fell into the ink and when they came out yeah anyway <laughs> long story short john ramada jr and dan Slott will be telling teaming up to tell a story as well as mark wade mm-hmm. paul Renaud, uh they're doing a story and jason lou who did Afterlife with Chips Zdarsky? Oh yeah, he's uh-huh. going to be writing and drawing a tale. Nice. This is actually his Marvel debut. That's cool. Don't know
1: why I say that. <laughs> I uh, I'm excited for that. I mean, I, I love as convoluted and ridiculous as it can be. I, I always get really into all the Ramatut King the Conqueror and uh, uh, yeah. Immortus stuff. So really looking forward <laughs> to that.
0: Yeah, there's two pages you can check out on amputeecomics.com. It's just like so iconically Ramada. Well, and
1: the cover is the Fantastic Four like fighting robo mummies, which is really cool. <laughs> or one of the covers, at least.
0: Oh, yeah. Which one is it? I don't I don't. There's have a there's a me.
1: sketch cover in the uh, oh. in the news for this that. Uh, oh, is that
0: is that a cover? I thought that was interior. Art. Oh, maybe
1: it. it is. It might be like a splash page.
0: It is cool. Yeah. Robo mummies. Yeah. Robo Mummies. That's that's our new rap name. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> See, how old do I sound when I say rap name? That's our rapper names. <laughs> Marvel also revealed this week that they're going to have a Asian Pacific American Heritage Month mm-hmm. special. Y- yep. Marvel's Voices Identity. And when does called. that come out? That comes out in August. <laughs> which is weird yeah. since... Asia Pacific American Heritage Month is actually May. Right. Um, it also this news comes out the week DC Comics put out their right. Asian Pacific American Heritage Month special.
1: Do you, so, do you think that Marvel was just stretched kind of thin doing all their Predator variants,
0: <laughs> like their variant covers <laughs> oh that aren't coming out? <laughs> I just imagine some editor with a big cigar and he's like, "Give me more predator variants. <laughs> Sir, we only have 40. Take those artists off the Asia Pacific American heritage right. month special. I need more predator covers. Ain't got and then time all of a sudden... for voices.
1: It's just Jesse Ventura oh in, God. A, in a suit.
0: I do like the idea of Marvel's voices like as like a, uh, it's like a banner for stories about marginalized
1: communities
0: the only pitfall of that is, like, you sh- you can't continue to just tell these kind of stories in this one-shot style. Right. You should be giving these characters their own ongoings and stuff like and that. And that's
1: the, that's the, that's, yeah, exactly. That's the kind of trap you fall into is when is it just, right. uh, you know, performative representation versus, like, yes. putting your money where your mouth is and giving characters like this uh, their own actual books. Um, right. Which, you know, isn't to, isn't to say that I devalue the the specials at all it's really great that these are coming out but you know i also would like to see that as more of a focus
0: yeah this one's gonna have silk miss marvel shang chi sorry shang chi wait how do you say it someone just recently Shang-Chi, right shang chi uh jubilee and uh agent Wu. all
1: yeah their stories i think we are about to and i i mean this like sincerely i think thanks to wanda vision we're about to get like a jimmy woo mm.
0: renaissance i hope so i hope so. I mean, everyone too. loved such him. a great character <laughs> he was great in ant-man too yeah he was i just worry he's like aging out of the role oh, i just are gonna want even more like comics, a james bond people type people
1: are people are mm. interested in the character again um sure. i would love to see more agents of atlas
0: yeah if they do an Ag- agents of La- that would be such a perfect series for a tv show oh it would yeah it'd be perfect for a sh- yeah absolutely uh, Marvel also revealed the final three a- annuals that will make up the Infinite Destinies event. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about Jed Mac- about this with Jed McKay a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kicking this off, but it, it was originally supposed to launch last summer, but uh, now it'll be coming out this summer. Um, it's a story about uh, the, I guess, the Infinity Gems or the gauntlet itself or all, all of that mm-hmm. is, is being stolen and uh, the, the heroes have to go capture it. How many times can they lose this thing? Come on. <laughs> yeah just put it in a vault they need to uh put a tag on it right. you know one of those new apple tags they have <laughs> and they could just ping it and they can find it later
1: i i'm excited i'm really excited about the guardians of the galaxy one especially with the uh the, the heavy focus on hercules mm. it was just genuinely one of my favorite characters
0: i really i'm excited for the spider-man one i'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm interested in amulet I, I think that character has a lot of potential it was only mm-hmm. recently introduced or actually created by uh, or co created by Saladin Ahmed. Mm-hmm. And it's a neat idea because his powers are defensive. He makes shields.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like Usually that. Usually these
0: characters are like, you know, trying to kill other people, not protect themselves and others. Mm-hmm. Speaking about killing other people, in our last bit of news, <laughs> <No. laughs> revealed exclusively on aiptcomics.com, uh, Cable Reloaded Number One mm-hmm. is coming out in August. And this is a Last Annihilation tie-in. It's a one-shot by Al Ewing and Bob Quinn, who you might know from Way of X. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's drawing that book as well. I was told multiple times by Marvel PR, this does not mean anything when it comes to the mainline Cable book and Kid Cable becoming Old Man Cable. So don't think it. Stop thinking it. All right. (laughs) My mind is empty. Just because it's Old Man Cable in this one-shot does not mean Kid Cable dies or anything. Right. I just just like I just start making stuff up. It does not mean that Cable gets his own cooking show on Netflix. It doesn't mean it does not that mean...
1: cable is a symbiote now.
0: Oh God. Just to get really specific so people start worried. It does
1: not mean that Cable is in Venom to let there be carnage.
0: Oh my god. In our next segment, our top books of the week, we're gonna talk about our top two yeah. favoriteest comics yeah. out this week. I should say the date whenever we do this too. Sure. Comics out May 12th, I think. The yes. week of May 12th, because some of them,
1: the DC books come out the day before.
0: I know, it's so stupid. I hate <laughs> Me it. too. What was your second favorite book of the week?
1: Uh, my second favorite book of the week was Batman the Detective Number 2 by Tom Taylor and Andy Kubert. Uh, this series is just really cool. <laughs> like I don't, yeah. I don't have any like super critical in depth things to say about it. I mean, uh, it it's uh, continuing on with the mystery from the last issue that people are there's a group that is specifically targeting everyone Batman has ever saved. It's not quite quite clear why, but it seems to have something to do with Batman's old mentor, Henri Ducard. Um, which was a really cool uh, surprise that I haven't seen that character pop up in forever. So it was really neat to see, um, you know, what, what that character would be up to and the the references to a shared history that's, you know, continued on past the, the present day because the story's, uh, you know, slightly into the future. Um, it was cool seeing uh, Bruce Wayne in action outside of costume and looking like crap you know what i mean (laughs) like he's he's tired and like uh really worn down by by years of crime fighting and there's almost an implication that he's trying to find his way out of this at some point Mm. um Hmm. but uh yeah it was uh it's just a it's a really strong issue that builds off of the stuff from the last one there's it definitely feels like a you know a middle chapter it doesn't uh uh, just kind of builds off of what happened before, and I think it set the stage for a really interesting uh, uh, confrontation for the next issue.
0: I love that um, opening scene um, at Big Ben. Oh yeah, where he's, he's dropping he's the guy, off the, the guy off the yeah. It's such a good uh, use of like longer panels mm-hmm. to like show the guy falling. And
1: his his interactions with the new squire are really interesting. It almost feels like he's trying yeah. to figure her out
0: or figure out why. Someone else would want to live this life. I'm wondering if if the F Squire has something to do with the larger mystery or something. Like why why go into that character? Why at all? is Bruce so interested? Yeah, that's a good right. point. And also, why does he have a Batmobile in every major scene? And
1: why does he have a secret <laughs> hospital? I, I love I love. There's so much that Taylor is doing with like building out this huge. It's almost like Taylor's writing his own Batman Inc. But like. <laughs> set in the future so we don't have to see all the groundwork we just see all the fruits of his mm. labor and it's really fun mm. to see how how much bigger the story gets like the scope yeah. keeps widening
0: yeah no it's it's like T- taylor's got he's got full reign to do whatever he likes mm-hmm. right? yeah it's really cool actually my <laughs> the title of my review of this because i reviewed the second issue yeah. is batman the detective number two is just playing cool comics yes it's true <laughs> It's that's accurate I did not lie. Uh, my second favorite book of the week is uh, by a different writer named Tom Taylor uh, <laughs> and Danielle D. Nicolo. It's Seven Secrets Number Seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like saying that Seven Secrets Number Seven. Yeah, that's nice. Damn, I changed my name to that. Is this... um, <laughs>
1: yes, Mr. Seven.
0: So this is a, 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 an important issue because mm. uh, if you don't know, uh, the first five issues. We're basically like setting up the characters, setting up this uh, this order. It's called the order that mm-hmm. uh, protects seven secrets. The sixth issue was set in Fairyland. Oh right, yeah, you were telling me. I gotta catch up on this series. Didn't see that coming. That's a huge spoiler. Mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't have told you that. Anyway, issue seven. They get out of Fairy. They're now in France and in, uh, in a bunker kind of secret base that they have. Nice. And they get to find out what happened when one of the seven secrets was opened. Uh, It's a really crazy cool way of revealing uh, what happened because it actually opens, the issue opens on just regular people going about their their day Mm -hmm. and finding out before the order does what happened because they're in ferry like trying to transport and escape the baddies. Mm -hmm. And the whole world knows before they do, this secret organization, right? And uh, so there's all this tension of what is it? What happened? What is the secret? And then we find out and it's like this huge falling out of oh my God, oh my God, what 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 could that mean for the other six secrets? What could they be? Right. Meanwhile, we, we get to check in with the villain who is the son of basically the head of the order and we think she's dead and he's very upset about this. <laughs> and he's like losing it. So he's like way over the top angry. There's a great chase sequence. I mean, there's a moment where they steal one of the tour buses that you see in, in Paris, those like double deckers. Yeah. And the entire team gets on it because no one's gonna check that kind of vehicle. Uh, but then they end up like crushing a bunch of baddies who are chasing them in these motorcycles. The Niccolo is so good at this like kinetic energy. There's always speed lines. It's kind of manga esque, his art style. Yeah. Um, I just can't get over like the energy of every page. It's um it's it just feels extra. Uh, compared to other superhero comics. Not that these people are really superheroes, but (laughs) it is an adventure comic. No, it's a a total thrill ride comic. I I highly recommend it. Uh, But what was your favorite book of the week? Uh,
1: My favorite book of the week was Time Before Time, number one, by Declan Shalvey, Rory McConville, and Joe Palmer. We talked to Declan last week about the first issue of Time Before Time, um, but uh, just to run through it again real quick it is a it's a great crime book that also happens to involve time travel um, <laughs> It uh, the first issue is very much about kind of setting a tone most of it follows two partners who are smugglers who use time machines as their method of transportation uh, and they are having a discussion about how they're going to get out of the life. And a lot of it follows them through. What's interesting about this is so much of it is focused on establishing how shitty the future is. So of course people want (laughs) to go away from it. Um, Mm. So much of it follows them going through their hypotheticals of how they're going to steal a time machine. And it follows them just walking through the streets past, you know, uh, signs that talk about how, uh, the stock market has crashed, how the hurricanes are destroying half of the seaboard and uh, you know weather's out of control their temperature is out of control. there's a pandemic you know sound familiar um, mm-hmm. but it's it's just really uh, it, it, it really sets a tone for like how hopeless the future is and that's even before one of them has a mission that goes wrong um, and yeah. And, uh, the character, the main character, even though he's a criminal feels relatable who, who hasn't felt stuck in a rut and wanting to like, you know, wanting something better for their family and, uh, who, you know, the, the main character's family is staying in the eighties while he's in the 2100s taking care of business. Um, and, uh, it sets up a really interesting mystery that will, you know, carry through the rest of the series. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, there was just something about this book that I, I'm really hooked on, where it's gonna go. Mm. I love the vibe of the book. Yeah, it feels gritty. It like, grungy.
0: Mm. Yeah, it it has like a sci-fi vibe. I like. Mm-hmm. It's like the color tones and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like cool. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Cool there's color. a
1: there's a club scene that is like. What if John, like, you know, all the clubs in the John Wick universe are like these neon drenched, <laughs> or, or like Madripoor yeah. in the MCU is basically, what if John Wick was a country? Uh, right. Like, like there's this club scene that's like very brightly lit and, and like, uh, you know, flooded with like pinks and purples. But it's also the most depressing scene of the book. Um, so oh, there's like this there's this really interesting like juxtaposition between uh how
0: you know advanced the future is and how miserable people are to be in it. I hope it, I hope uh, Declan was saying last week I, he wants to tell a long story mm-hmm. here. It's just it's a matter of if it will sell. Mm-hmm. Um I hope he gets to tell that story. Me too. Um uh, my favorite book of the week was DC Festival of Heroes the Asian Superhero Celebration. What a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> I love long titles. Yeah. Um, so this one is 100 pages, Uh I think it's like 96, but they get away with it. <laughs> and uh, there is uh, obviously it's a, it's a it's a anthology book, mm-hmm. so there's a ton of stories here. Um, there's actually two with uh, Cassie Kane, the um, Batman character. Yeah. Uh-huh. But every char- every every story is based on mm-hmm. an Asian character and. There's 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 all types of stories here. There there are like two page stories, mm-hmm. but there are also one page stories, and there's also stories that are just like fun little action scenes, and there are stories that matter to the canon. Nice. Like there's a Catwoman story, for instance, that uh, matters to the Catwoman uh, series. It also launches a new character uh, that I, I think we'll be getting later in the year. We have mm-hmm. not heard when. Uh, but Liu and Yang and um, Bernard yeah. Chang do a story um, with uh, what is he called? He's called the um, The Monkey Uh Prince? There's like a whole mythical god uh, hierarchy going on in this story. And there are demons. And meanwhile, the Monkey Prince is actually a a human boy that is in high school. So it's like a Peter Parker-esque younger person. And he actually hates superheroes. Isn't
1: the story actually called The Monkey Prince Hates Superheroes? I think that's actually the name of the chapter, which is really
0: really great. (laughs) I didn't even catch that. And I reviewed it. Um, yeah, if you if you want more of my thoughts on the book, you can go to aptcomics.com and read the review. But uh, that one is particularly interesting because I think that character could add a lot to DC yeah. canon. Um, I mean, he literally interacts with Shazam in the story nice. uh, in a way that's interesting. Matt
1: Yang is on fire, too, between this I know, right? and uh, Batman Superman. And I believe he's writing the new Shang-Chi, right?
0: Shang-Chi next week. For nice. The first issue. That's so awesome. Uh, 127 is the legacy numbering. Hell yeah. Uh, there's also a good story with um Black Lightning. Um, he's mm. meeting um Thunder's uh, girlfriend Grace Choi. Nice. And it's like there's like tension there, and at first you think maybe it's because he's you know uh he's not so open to his daughter being gay, but mm. it ends up being he's just not super into the type of person Grace Choi is because they're super strong and just beating on baddies oh. and breaking through walls and stuff. So yeah. that story had like some nice nuance and texture to it I like that uh, I yeah. don't think there was a bad story in there there's also a story for, about Damian Wayne um mm. oh and there's also a uh there's a story about um the new Superman with a hyphen I might add uh, oh so, <laughs> I had to say that I don't know why uh that's really cute oh it has yeah a great I forgot ending. it is it
1: is styled with a hyphen I forgot about that uh, I, think I love that character though
0: I talked about Jean uh, Luen Liang was on this show like a year or two mm-hmm. ago now and I asked about the hyphen and he was like, I wasn't sure about the hyphen. It was kind of funny. Um, no, but just just uh, as you said, like it's a great celebration of these mm-hmm. characters of uh, action and adventure, and um, you know, a reminder of just how many Asian characters there are to be lifted up and mm-hmm. you know, honored by DC Comics. And it wasn't just a throwaway anthology where it's like, oh, here, it's a bunch of great stories. There were stories that were involved in, in the canon too, so the, the, they matter to future storytelling. That's great so those are our top books of the week we mm-hmm. got through it folks we did we couldn't do it without you <laughs> <laughs> in our next segment top books for next week we're going to talk about our most anticipated comic mm-hmm. out next week what do you got for us nathan
1: i'm really looking forward to fantastic four life story number one by mark russell and sean Izaxi. Mm. um it or is it Isaac? isoxy
0: uh gosh i'm not sure Iso-
1: uh, let's say Izaxi.
0: I, I, well, I, I just,
1: I've been reading all these interviews with Mark Russell where he's talking about his intention writing this story. And uh, if you guys aren't familiar with the Life Story
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, line, they did Spider-Man Life Story by Chip Zdarsky, um, What was that? Two years ago now, I think. Um, and it told uh, the story of Spider-Man in real time as if you know he arrived in the 60s and then... Follows him through to you know follows his career through to the 2010s 2020, and Fantastic Four Fantastic Four life story is going to do the same thing. It starts with them going up into space during the space race in the 60s, and it sets the story against the Cold War, and uh, has them dealing with uh, paranoia during the Cold War, and you know what what are we supposed to do with these people who these Americans who went up into space and then came back and they're different they're changed and it kind of puts the characters into almost a realistic backdrop to play off of. But even more interesting than that, Mark Russell has said that his favorite thing about Fantastic Four is about the relationships of the characters instead of the powers. And that is so true. I feel like the best Fantastic Four stories are the ones that focus on how they care for one another. And he said, um, in this interview that he did with games radar, uh, with newsorama, he said, uh, a key ingredient to any relationship is time. Time being another word for stakes. So being able to show them age in real time, let their relationships meaningly involve, uh, evolve over six issues, gives their story an extra dimension, I think. So oh. we're going to get to see how this family unit uh, continues to you know, work together or not over the course of
0: 60 years. And uh, I'm really excited to see how that plays out. I imagine uh, Johnny's going to rub people the wrong way because he always does. But mm-hmm. imagine that for 60 years. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to be honest. When I went to put my pick down, I had this one in my mind. And I went, damn, oh, you yeah. go back and look. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and my pick of the week is The Immortal Hulk Time of Monsters, number one. This one's oh, by yeah. Alex Pacnadel and Juan Ferreira. I'm a big fan of uh, Ferrera's work. Um, Me
1: too. And the the preview images for this are bonkers.
0: mm so I've been, I follow him on Twitter, Alex Packnodell, and he, he's been tweeting about this quite a bit the last couple months, but at one point he was like, I get to, I get it. I got to create a Hulk or something like that. Yeah. Uh, the last time, uh, there was a one shot like this that wasn't, I, Al Ewing is, is, uh, credited on this, but I don't, I don't know if mm. he's doing like a backup. Interesting. Um, probably something separate then. but then it says Al Ewing and Alex Packnodell introduced the original Hulk. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a collab, but, um, the last time they did like a one-shot style Immortal Hulk story, I think it was mm-hmm. Jeff Lemire and um, Mike Delmundo And it was fantastic. It was just like, it was a one-shot, so you could just enjoy it for what it was. It told, yeah. told actually, the last one was probably Declan Chalvey's, wasn't it? Um, the Flatline one. Yes. Anyway, yeah, it's happened a couple of times. And every time, it's really cool because the creators get to tell their own self-contained Hulk story. hmm And, you know, the complexities of Hulk and the the psychology behind it is always interesting. There's also the monster element. There's also the body horror you can do with it, especially with the Immortal Hulk, the newer Mm -hmm. take on him where it's just grotesque every time he changes. Yeah. All of those reasons. I'm really excited for this. Um, Pacnadel, of course, is coming off Red Fork from um, TKO. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's got the bones for horror, which is exactly what you want from the Immortal Hulk. And I hope they use the color green. I just, you know, what I'm just saying. <laughs> In our la- uh, next segment, judging by the cover, Junior, what is your favorite cover art out next week? <laughs> Fans, we're we'll going to just wait and we're going to give you five seconds to tell us what yours are. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, my pick <laughs> is uh, Way of X number two. It's a variant cover by Christian Ward. Um, it's a bit of a spoiler if you haven't read mm. Way of X number one, but there's a mm-hmm. dream thing going on. There's a dream nightmare monster uh, yeah, inflicting people. Patchwork on man. Yeah. We find out who he is in the last issue. Um, but uh, this cover basically has uh Nightcrawler. It looks like he's in bed. Yeah. He's, he's like pulling up the covers, but the covers are the same color and texture of this monster that's behind him. That's about to. Uh, it's a him. very
1: Nightmare on Elm Street kind of vibe.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is, right? Like with the um, the little strikes strikes of white, mm-hmm. creating like stars. You're so right on that. That's a good call. Yeah, no, I love it. If you check out uh, this posting on amputeecomics.com, you can see the full cover art. But uh, it's just, yeah, it Im- abuses sets of like horror and uh, nightmarishness, but also adventure. I mean, there's like almost like yellow twinkling stars like crossing yeah. through. Christian Ward is such a great artist. It's so... It's almost like abstract, but not so abstract. It's it's right, really
1: cool. Right.
0: Yeah. What is your favorite cover art?
1: My favorite cover art uh, genuinely surprised me this week, but it's oh my uh, God. the it's the Donald Mustard variant cover for Batman Fortnite number 3. <laughs> uh, I I know, but dude, it's Batman fighting Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe. <laughs> Yeah, and he's got a colorful grenade too. He's got a cute little grenade um, <laughs> there, like in the middle of like the the sort of uh, you know crosshairs logo. And I love Batman's like survival gear suit that very much reminds me of the R. Pats costume.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, mixed with some zero year stuff. But the uh, it's covered in pouches, and mm. he's showing a little bit of bicep um Mm. there's just there's a there's this really cool kinetic energy to this cover totally white background so your eyes are immediately drawn to these two about to beat the hell out of each other batman's suit or his cape is torn to shreds um it's just it's really cool and i never thought i'd see batman fighting snake eyes
0: and i'm a very simple man
1: (laughs) it's a dream come
0: true no it totally is i am fascinated by the logo design of zero point it's almost like a a G, it's really good. Yeah. I, I, there must be some meaning to it. There's gotta be mm. something to it. And it's also directly over the center of the cover, mm-hmm. which must make it a hell of a job for the artist to be like, okay, how do I integrate this cover? And I think
1: so? it's usually rotated in a different way, but this, uh, I, I guess they didn't want to mess up the little, uh, face off here for the, uh, for this mm. cover, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, I really like it a lot.
0: No, it's so fun. I wish I could jump that high someday uh, in our next segment Jeff Smith will join us for an interview to talk about Tukey, Bone, Razzle the whole nine yards the industry we talk about um, uh, what is it uh, self-publishing and how it's yeah. changed with Kickstarter it's a great interview enjoy so on with us is Jeff Smith Jeff how are you doing? I'm doing great how are you doing? I am fantastic I, I can't congratulations on the Kickstarter in 10 minutes it was fully funded I know I know I know it's fantastic
3: I, and we were a little nervous about it. Uh, we didn't know how it was going to go. Definitely what we didn't picture is that it would be funded in 10 minutes. We did not have that. That was a pleasant well, surprise. In fact, the whole, the fact that it's done so well um, has kind of caught us off guard because we only had a few stretch goals. Mm. Uh, we were not prepared for like where we're at right now on day two sure. and we need to do, we need to come up with some stretch goals. So we are really <laughs> knocking our heads together really quickly going, <laughs> so that's great. Nathan, awesome. David, thank you for having me. Yes, oh, thank you for being, for being on the
0: here. podcast. Yeah, this is great. Um, we are both huge fans of your work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we can't wait to read Tuki. I think I, I I I was one of the first in the first ten minutes to back it. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> he pushed he pushed it right over. <laughs> oh, was it a surprise <laughs> to people when when the when the announcement came out that the Kickstarter was gonna was gonna be back? Were you you were using Kickstarter to back Tuki?
3: you know i not too much um i think i think i was expecting people to be just be surprised that i would use that service Mm -hmm. as opposed to just doing regular Mm self-publishing
2: um
3: instead my the surprise was how excited the people at kickstarter were they were like this is great (laughs) you're you're gonna do this and then i have I have buddies, you know, friends like Billy Tucci and Brian Polito mm-hmm. from the old self-publishing days mm-hmm. uh, I was doing Bone. They were doing Lady Death and she, and we would, you know, go to all the shows together. Um, and they were like, "You got to do this." They want. They were talking us into doing it. Vijay and I, my wife, mm-hmm. and when we finally did it, yeah, it, it, it. They wanted us to do it. I was that's the part I was surprised at that people w- were welcoming us and not.
1: Awesome. I don't know. I
3: guess I had an idea that people would be like, what are you doing this for? This is <laughs> no for, worries, <laughs> uh, startup. Yeah, no, it's not. I was wrong. I was totally wrong.
1: Well, uh, we were wondering the, the original uh, version of Tukey, the web comic was in color, but the, the new books are in black and white. What led to the decision to kind of go back to basics there?
3: There was a real, I, I wanted to have a real break between the web comic and mm-hmm. this Tukey. So it's, it's a similar story. It's it's still about this guy who's a lone wanderer, and he. The mm-hmm. sequence of events is pretty much the same, but a couple of things I needed to, I needed to change. One was the format, uh, not the wide screen angle, the hor the, the horizontal. That was that was okay, landscape.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but when I collected it into some comics, I collected the web comic into like four issues, mm-hmm. and you had to open it, hold it like a calendar, which some people hated, (laughs) some people loved. That wasn't the problem. The problem was I was trying to do like a Prince Valiant type of a Flash Gordon Mm -hmm. Sunday comic Mm -hmm. once a week. And it kind of was fun on the webcomic, but when I collected them together, they didn't flow correctly. Uh, They were kind of stop and start. So that was one problem. The second problem was as I got to the part where the little kids get in the story, I don't know if you remember reading it, but there's these little kids to kind of kind of hang and start hanging out with Tuki. I realized this needs to be a, this is a story about family. And I really needed to go back and start over from scratch. Now, I was able to save a lot of the artwork, but it's not the same. This is not just reprinting those pages. That's one of the reasons I wanted to go back to the early days of Bone and Rassel with black and white artwork. I'm just I'm just making a break with that. In fact, I was joking around with somebody saying that I now consider the webcomic the online pilot huh. for <laughs> <laughs> Sure. It's
0: leaked online, oh no.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: set photos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Pardon me, I've had a long day. I've had a day. Oh, of course, no, go ahead. Uh, you mentioned ah. in the Kickstarter press release uh, that you really dove back into Tucky when COVID hit. Can you tell us a little bit about the process and why it felt like it was finally time?
3: Yeah. So when I set when I set it aside, one of another reason was I was co founding a, a comics festival called Cartoon Crossroads Columbus or CXE mm-hmm. in Columbus, Ohio, um, with Tom Spurgeon and Lucy Shelton Caswell and my wife Jaya, and that was almost a full time job for a while. But then, uh, like in 2019, uh, the the show was working on its own I wasn't it wasn't taking it wasn't a full-time job for me anymore sure. and I got Tukey out and i had been thinking about it but still just thinking about it and playing around with pages I took some pages to San Diego in 2019 to uh, the Comic-Con International but it was when lockdown happened I just suddenly had all this time to uh to be at my desk and I mm-hmm. sat down and it got serious and I not only knocked out and finished I mean completed inked everything dookie oh, wow. fight for fire that is done and ready to go to the printer awesome but i finished the second one <laughs> <laughs> i i had a second book called Tukey fight for family and it's it's almost it's 90 percent inked i just have like the last chapter split wow. so and
1: uh, everybody says they're gonna get so much done during uh <laughs> lockdown and you oh actually yeah did it. just <laughs> that's your <laughs> secret
3: thing. I actually I was stunned I couldn't believe I didn't it. I would have been I'd have been happy
1: if I'd have done one book but I did two sure yeah three. that's awesome that's awesome well uh we were wondering how is the uh I mean you you talked a little bit about how you kind of refocused on family but how is there other way other ways in which the story has kind of evolved since you've uh you've gone back to it
3: yes uh The original focus was that, well, it still is, it still takes place 2 million years ago,
1: Mm -hmm.
3: 2 million BCE, uh, which was a a very fascinating, um, you know, crossroads in our history. It's a Mm -hmm. real focal point uh, for many reasons. One, um, there were multiple human species alive at the same time, including Australopithecines, which was the famous Lucy was from. And that right there makes me want to, I want to draw that. I want to. I want to be sure. in that place. Um, but one of the, one of the things that happens is right around that time period, uh, our direct ancestor Homo erectus really starts to uh, expand and takes over large swaths of Africa and actually leaves Africa and begins to uh, uh, settle uh, Asia and Europe. Mm-hmm. Well, I, or eventually settle Asia and Europe. And I thought, well, my focus in the original thing was, I'm gonna talk about the guy who, who did leave Africa, or at least let a band out. Um, and that was you know, kind of based on some kind of fact. But then I, then I realized that the real amazing thing that happened two million years ago that made Homo erectus our real ancestor and gave him the power to do all these things was that he figured out how to use fire. He learned how to control fire and ate cooked foods. And that changed uh, us anatomically. Yeah. Uh, we no longer had these big fat, uh, comatid guts that had miles and miles of intestines, which you need <laughs> right. to digest all that raw Oh, meat. true, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and there's other, there's other things too, where you, you figured out that that's when we lost our body hair. All, everything yeah. Everything happened. That that fulcrum right there, that point two million years ago. I thought that was great. So the, yes, so the so the the different the main focus now is that it's fire and family, and uh, and it's it's a warmer story. I it's a little it's a lot more connected to itself yeah. than it was in the webcomic, the pilot. Nice,
0: you make it sound the like pilot. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You make it sound like uh homo sapiens are almost like superheroes. And this was their moment to like gain their powers.
3: <laughs> it was, no, it was, it was, the, it was, it was our best party trick. We could make, <laughs> and, and Love that. in my, my story, the, what I decided to do is say that the other animals, animals, you know, the other hominids. Yeah. They decided they didn't want to, they didn't like fire. They mm-hmm. almost felt like you've stolen oh. a secret from the gods. Oh. That's bad. It's scary and dangerous, and it's actually blasphemous. So some of the other species actually hunt and try to kill anyone they see using fire. So that's kind of the that's the story.
0: Like the conflict, yeah.
3: Wow, that's the yeah. The stakes are high, man.
0: <laughs> Life or death. But
3: spoiler alert:
0: we win. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we were literally having a conversation uh, hundreds of miles apart, all three of us. <laughs> really? Where, where are you guys at? I'm in Boston.
1: I'm in you? Florida. I'm in Florida. I'm oh, in really?
0: I'm oh, in... right
1: on. Yeah, I'm uh, on the complete opposite end, yeah. <laughs> up, in the, uh, up in the panhandle. Very cool.
0: It seems like the core of every myth, and this story, I don't know why, makes me think of myth. Uh, is humanity's attempt at understanding the world. I wanted to ask you, what are you trying to understand at the core of Tuki?
3: Well, uh, there's, there is level of myth in it. uh, There is, it's
0: not quite real. It's grounded in reality Mm -hmm.
3: that I just was discussing. Yeah. But it also, there are gods and giants in the story. Nice. So um, there's that level of kind of mythological storytelling. But I think, I'm not sure that I want to, understand, well, maybe I do, I'm interested in evolution and I'm interested in this period. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess I just want to go there. One of my favorite uh, stages of making comics is mm-hmm. doing the research. When you're just, all you're doing is, you know, watching documentaries and reading books and crazy articles online. I actually went to Olduvai Gorge in the 90s mm-hmm. uh, Uh, that's the famous archaeological site of the leakies. and i i've told the story in a couple places recently but but i'll tell you again yeah when i was there visiting i went down into where you can go and look at the they have a little place where you can look at the layers and the depths and you can see how this there were campsites and there were occupations over time at different levels and i remember looking up and there was like a kind of a dirt wall going up and then above that was, you know, there were trees and stuff and they were, I have a real strong memory of the trees kind of swaying in the wind and kind of having this like a vision of like all these different, you know, Homo habilis and Australopithecus and uh, Australopithecus subida or whatever. Walking around, actually interacting with each other—I don't know—almost like in a marketplace, and it yeah. almost felt like I was seeing an echo of something that really happened. And that wow. is actually when the seeds were planted uh, for Tukey.
2: Wow!
1: Yeah.
3: So that's, so that's a fun part, and and I guess I'm not sure I'm like wanting anybody to learn anything as much as I want to learn.
1: <laughs> sure.
3: What could what could
1: be
0: there? What was there? What right? All that kind of stuff. figuring out what was there and then drawing it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool.
1: Well, and speaking of that, like when you're when you're setting down to like start a page each day, I mean, do you do you have any rituals that you have when you approach the page or the story as a whole? Like something that kind of gets you into that headspace?
3: A little. I mean, I see a lot of people do like warm up sketches, or I don't know. I don't know if a writer the same way. They just do a little warm up poem. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> a, a good question. <laughs> to wake up.
1: Um, just a haiku to get the day started
3: the most i do is uh i is sometimes the night before um mm-hmm. uh, before i go to sleep i might start thinking about what's Tuki gonna do tomorrow why do we do it and i just and that's actually quite fun and i did that a lot yeah. well i used to think what's what's phone building gonna do tomorrow and that was actually a really pleasant <laughs> um, way for me to drift off to sleep and often when i wake up you know, I set my alarm for five. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you set your alarm for five, you wake up at five at four fifty-five, you know, right? Yes. And I would <laughs> say, what am I gonna do? And I kind of would I can I can kind of, you know, think and I can see the the, the scene I want to do and and mm-hmm. the, the panels kind of appear to me and I I can kind of see what that is. And then I just go and I just get out the paper and do it.
0: Awesome. It makes me think there's a a Tukey bone crossover going on in your dreams. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Um, You've noted in previous interviews you're a big reader. Do you have any favorite reads right now, novels or comics?
3: Uh, I just read, I just finished um, two books and I read them in parallel. I've never done this before. (laughs) And I read about 10 pages of that and then read the other one. And it was, uh, the uh, the new Stan Lee bio. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, mm-hmm. true believer. That is an amazing book. And the other oh, book was, great. That, that's me binging, and that's because of the Kickstarter. I wonder how. I can oh, you're
1: <laughs> hey, it's uh, it's, it's good right. news.
3: That's okay. <laughs> I hope it's good news. Yeah, let me see if I can. I don't know if I can turn it off while this.
0: That's time. okay. Before the recording, we'll just say <laughs> the binging is is like your bank account. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll drop that in. <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs> um and the other book was uh, mark evanier's uh biography of kirby kirby king of the comics oh yes i need to um, read let that. me tell you what man i had those two right on my bedstand. Yeah. just was reading yeah i don't know what a mind trip to read those yeah. together and um i felt like the i felt like the the stan lee book was written a little bit knives out
2: you know mm, what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm, but,
3: okay. Yeah. I, I'm kind of okay with that because that's kind of how I felt about Steve uh, Stanley. Anyway. Sure. So, I did meet Man. him. I did meet both Stan and Jack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was Stanley was very friendly to me. Mm-hmm. Told me he loved my work. I didn't believe. <laughs> I did <really laughs> <like, laughs> He actually was really hurt when I said, "Oh, you say that to all the boys." He says, oh. oh <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, that is... He actually was hurt. He actually really. He actually had I think he had Frank Miller bring him over to introduce it's like in 94 95
0: Oh wow yeah, that's awesome. So he was he was really cool
3: but to me personally but it, it, when you read the books you just see that he just iced Kirby out of any credit. Right
1: right right. That's, just that's cool. the that's the difficult uh, truth of that partnership for sure.
3: Well but, and the truth is Kirby didn't do it without Stan. Sure. sure. Yeah, Sam was an important ingredient in there, but mm-hmm. he wasn't the writer or
0: the right, cover. right, he
3: was the editor. And that's
0: before we say that, I wanted to say Roy Thomas did a piece for The Hollywood Reporter, like refuting a lot of what was in the book. He was he also said, like, a lot of it's real, too. But I think he's working on like a rebuttal, like book or something in response I, I will read it <laughs> yeah same <laughs>
3: it was a real good book a few years ago called the secret history of the marvel universe I yeah and, uh, that was a great book too that was that was the first time you kind of uh, well i'm probably much older than you guys i actually was reading stan and jack in the 60s right mm.
2: nice.
3: um, yeah. the late 60s so you know a lot of the fantastic four and stuff i was reading sure yeah but um, um so I experienced that uh, from the outside with Stan's soapbox and all that. Right, right. Uh, so it was really kind of fun to, and then being a professional in the industry for for thirty years. Right. You know, we ever yeah, we were all talking about, oh, you know, Stan didn't give Jack direct right credit. So, mm-hmm. so I experienced it from both sides, and then just reading it, kind of, uh, it kind of made sense. It was really, it was yeah. like a weird
0: thing to read. You lived it. You've lived it in real time.
1: Yeah, sort of. And your Not
0: perspective like, is like quite unique, then, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Well, I I've been kind of uh, singularly minded in in my reading lately. I uh, I, I Dave knows this. I'm a huge uh, James Bond fan, so yeah. I've been I've been reading a lot of the the old um,
2: the real novel. newspaper
1: strips, but well, also. I've read the not I've read all the Fleming books. Now I'm working my way through John Gardner's uh Bond books, which are really fun. Like the I just started one called uh Never Send Flowers that I'm really enjoying. Never
0: send like flowers. I, That's a cool yeah. title. Yeah. Yeah, get uh, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah, the best titles. Mm. Oh so yeah, for sure. I'm trying to remember who drew the the comic strip.
1: I oh, just gosh. had it in the back of my head, and actually, let me let me look it up real quick because it's going to cool. drive me crazy I, I unless I Al do.
3: Fran, but he was secret agent X nine,
1: right? Yeah, John McCluskey did a lot of them.
3: Oh, right,
2: right. And right.
1: then uh, uh, Henry, oh no, Henry Gamage wrote them, and then uh, Yaroslav Horak did a did a lot of them in the six like late sixties, early seventies. Wow,
0: yeah. Super fun, but yeah. They're they're a trip, man. <laughs> Since we're we we have a weekly podcast recapping uh, news and, and reading comics, I think like ninety eight percent of what I read is comic books. <laughs> for the yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do I do miss novels though.
3: Um. Yeah. I, you know, and I'm most the comics I read now are mostly reprints of old mm-hmm, mm-hmm. age stuff because when I was growing up, there and you couldn't read any of that. Mm, I mean, right, an occasional book like uh, Jules Pfeiffer did, the great comic book heroes.
2: Yeah,
3: and it was a hardcover book. It cost an amazing like eleven dollars or something. <laughs> but it was like an oversized book, and it would reprint. It reprinted the um, from Batman number one, the origin story. Mm-hmm. And the uh, first time I ever saw it, uh, Will Eisner's Spirit. But mm-hmm. was, that kind of stuff was just yeah. mind-boggling. I, there was another book called. All in color for a dime, which was co-written or edited by uh, Don Thompson, who mm-hmm. used the comics buyer's guide. And those things were so rare, they yeah, every one of my friends that I knew had, had those like four books, whatever they were.
0: So Yeah, I remember reading awesome. I remember reading Pogo and it was like a tattered copy. Yeah, but now you can get all of Pogo in order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> digital, right. uh, yeah. Digital, uh digital download,
3: hardcover, softcover. Mickey Mouse comics. Oh my god, it's incredible! Oh yeah, it's just we're. This is such an amazing time. It, it is right. Paul <laughs> Simonson's um, Thor. Yeah, in, in the original art pages. <laughs> yeah,
1: Dave just sent me. Dave just sent me a, a collection of uh, Morbius comics from the seventies, and it's mm-hmm. all the uh, like the black and white reprints from like Vampire Tales and Fear magazine, and it's just so cool to see those in one spot.
3: I would. Love, I have not seen that. I'm going to try to yeah.
1: find. it's awesome. I'm <laughs> really. I'm really enjoying it.
0: I went to school. Thinking, are there any? Are there any recent comics you guys are into? Uh oh. Well, Nathan could talk forever about Swamp Thing.
1: <laughs> swamp. Yeah. The oh. the current Swamp Thing is great. Uh, Ramvi's yep. Swamp Thing is excellent.
3: I actually, in um, fact, I, in fact, I think I read a review on this site today about
1: that. Oh yeah, that was mine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, man, I, I, it's, it's really great. It's, mm. it's uh revisiting some mythology from the Alan Moore years, but also moving it into a, a new era. It's really, really cool.
3: Yeah, it's, it, your, your review actually made me want to go pick it up.
1: Oh, man, it, I, I really appreciate one, that. <laughs> I haven't
3: read thing since, the, I mean, the set. Was yeah.
2: There.
1: So oh, that's man. a long yeah.
3: Sure. And the green, and, and there's two poison ivies, what? What's going on? Yeah, here? it's a trip. Ah, it's a trip. I want, I'm want. i going to go check. I got to pick it out. So there seems to awesome. be like
0: a renaissance when it comes to horror comics. Like almost every publisher is putting out a horror comic or more than one. Uh, like Image Comics. Yeah. Uh, Homesick Pilots was a series that we both really liked uh, that just mm-hmm. ended its first arc. Um, yeah, it's just it's insane. Like it seems like the quality of comics is just great because there's more publishers too, like Vault and Aftershock.
1: We're taking chances. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the
3: i the the le- the talent level right now is mm-hmm. unprecedented at no time in history. I mean, you could maybe say at EC Comics there was that kind of level of draughtsmanship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like it's bonkers now. There's so many well done. Yeah. The there's uh, women drawing. Mm-hmm. Comics. There's, all the diversity is crazy. There's, yeah color there's all, everything mm-hmm. yeah. and, and all the genres are it's wide open too i, oh, I
1: yeah I, and if you like um if you like ec comics uh, uh james tynan is putting out a uh, anthology series called razor blades right now which is uh, a monthly anthology horror anthology um and it's really got that kind of uh eerie creepy kind of vibe from yeah it's it's really good has
3: anybody read ed pisker's red room
1: I haven't. I haven't no
3: i'm i, I, I i'm 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 friends with ed i uh-huh. like i'm i'm terrified i'm not i'm scared to read the book
0: oh wow <laughs> oh yeah that just came out from fantagraphics right yeah yeah i'm gonna have to check that out i think well, i can it get was, you a it was copy. Pretty
3: scary, man. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: oh yeah
1: i saw some preview pages from this this looks great
0: yeah actually we mm-hmm. ran an interview with him on aipt i think a week mm-hmm. or two ago um Speaking of what we're reading, was there any books that helped or inspired you when you were creating Tukey?
3: Um, yeah. Uh, one was called Catching Fire. Uh, that was, uh, it was about the fact that c- capturing fire and eating cooked food
2: mm-hmm. is
3: what that was, that was the thing that pushed us over the edge mm-hmm. from being, you know, hominids and primates into being. Yeah. Like, and it was that was a fascinating book, and it was, um, I mean, it was all it was all done just by looking, you know, at the physiology of mm-hmm. of the bones of the fossils. Mm-hmm. There may have been some DNA work done too, but it was it was amazing. Uh, and I read a bunch of books. There's Before the Dawn, I, and I don't have, I can't remember the author's names uh anymore but um yeah i read i did a lot of research
0: on this book there weren't too many
3: documentaries that were very helpful
0: Mm. we need to get time machines going yeah (laughs) right
1: (laughs) well uh you know we we were just talking a little bit about this but comics in general have, have changed a lot over time are there any um when you're approaching Tuki, is there anything you've embraced like digital technology, digital comics? Uh, are you playing in that in that area at all?
3: Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, it started as a web comics. I was, right. was putting my toe in. Um, I didn't think I was. I didn't think I. Enj- I wasn't enjoying it. I'm not blaming mm. web comics. I just sure. didn't think it worked for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one thing, you have to have, you have to be really connected to the audience. You need to really just you know, talk to them, and it was, it was, it just wasn't something I was strong at. Someone like Kate Jordan, sure. she was great at that, you know, she just kept, she just talked with everybody, and everybody loved her, and, mm-hmm. Um but other than that, uh, beyond using, you know, uh InDesign for laying out books, mm-hmm. uh, we color in Photoshop, but I still oh, okay. do, uh, I still do all the artwork, Let's see here. I happened to bring over some pages when I went got that book. Oh, cool. So here's um oh wow. So uh, am I too close or too far? No, no you're good. Right? Oh, it's so, so large. Yeah, and I that's all done with uh you know wow. and with a paintbrush and some ink.
0: So yeah I
3: not I all my beautiful they all try to like all my um like the colorists and people I work with that work at mm-hmm. cartoon books try to get me to They're like, come on! You can ink, you can draw, Uh, and And I I explained to them, it's too late for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's too late. Go on, go on without me. Leave me behind. Leave me behind.
1: It's
0: funny. You were saying earlier, like the the artists are like all so good these days, and if you go online, you can see like I saw this one cover. It was a Daredevil cover, and like the artist didn't like the hand position and it was like using perspective. And he cut the hand, turned it, moved it over, then redrew the wrist. And it was like you I was just watching this thinking, like, you know, Jack Kirby didn't have these this opportunity. What would he have done? You know, with this oh, technology.
3: And, and you remember Kirby was uh yeah. playing with those crazy like photo montage. Yeah, and yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. In yeah. like oh, Fantastic yeah, his, Four. His yeah. brain would have gone right into it. Right? That's what no. I want to see.
0: <laughs> sure. <Yeah. laughs> Somebody take him and put him in a time machine and bring him back here.
3: <laughs> oh, but, uh, I, I read somewhere, um, I think it was Michael Shavon. Mm. noticed that in like the current Marvel Cinematic Universe and the DC Universe, the foundations of those are Kirby. Both of
1: oh, them. Oh,
0: sure.
3: You yeah, know, was, absolutely. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, because you got Dark side and the Mother Boxes and all that. That's mm-hmm. all. That's all New Gods and stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Not to mention, yeah. like Thanos was based on Darkseid, right? So in a yeah, way, he Thanos created him.
2: Was a ripoff of Darkseid.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, we'd be completely remiss if we didn't bring up Bone today, which uh, you actually brought back a few years ago in the form of Bone Coda, but. Uh, how was it revisiting the story? And do you think there's another Bone story in you somewhere?
3: Yeah, that was that was five years ago. That was the 25th. Yeah.
1: It's
3: now the 30th anniversary of Bone. Wild. <laughs> wild. Um, it was really fun revisiting it. And yeah, I wasn't sure if it would be difficult because I hadn't actually drawn them or interact had them interact the characters sure. in a while. Um, but it came right back. No problem. No problem. <laughs> The only difference was and nobody's said anything about it or cared or noticed. <laughs> changed the panels. I had since then I had done uh, Rassel,
2: and mm-hmm. a
1: lot
3: of the panels are landscaped because I was trying to do like noir, which comes from
1: right. I love so, Rassel, by yeah. the way. I, Rassel, I gotta throw that out there.
3: <laughs> it, but it's but all but it I don't have the nine panel grid except mm-hmm. that, occasionally. So I did the landscape panels in Coda, and nobody yeah. really. And it, that was kind of fun. But as far as like drawing them, them being irritated with each other, <laughs> it was it came all back so
0: sure. Fast. It was really fun. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, bone adaptations have been attempted a few times over the years, but mostly in film format. Why do you feel Netflix is the ideal place for, for a bone adaptation?
3: Well, uh, because previously it was always a, a film. When well, mm. somebody trying to do a movie. Oh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. And every time, we we worked with a number of studios over mm-hmm. the year, And whenever we would deal with the producer who approached us and then got the deal cut at that studio, we would always say, oh, this has got to be three movies. Mm. Like The Lord of the Rings. Sure. And... Um, and then a stu- then the studio executives would come in and say, "One movie." Mm. So you we would try ridiculous to try story, you know. <laughs> uh, you could not turn uh, the whole Bone story into an hour and a half kids' no. anime movie. and it just failed over and over. And Warner Bros. was very painful because mm. for some reason they got angry at Vijay and I and purchased the, the option. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they buy the rights and they have like two years to decide if they're gonna purchase the option or not, mm-hmm. which means they're gonna actually pay you the, the money. right? And then they own it. Well, they just were just, they were doing, it was the same thing. I started out mm-hmm. with Lin Productions and we were all, we're gonna make three movies. This is gonna be the Lord of the Rings of Animation. <laughs> and then The studio got involved and then one movie. And huh. we got, we want a screenwriter that's never read the books. <laughs> <We> didn't <laughs> say that, but that's sure. definitely sure.
0: <laughs> okay, gotcha.
3: So, and then it just and then um, somehow because and then I started objecting to why are mm. you don't make this is not bone make whatever this is make that movie yeah
1: but don't make I'm that sure it's bone. fine but it's and not it's not I bone to
3: piss somebody else because we got a phone call we were but Jay and I were in Barcelona on book. Book tour. Mm-hmm. And we got a phone call from our uh, agent. He said, hey, Congratulations. Oh, wow. This exercise, the option, which usually means you've got a green light. Sure. Yeah. And, and we're, but Vijay and I knew <laughs> that we didn't have a green light. And we just went, Oh. oh. So
1: they were just holding it hostage, basically. <laughs> For
3: eight more years. Jesus.
1: Oh. That sucks, man. Wow. Eight
3: more years. And I was pretty much out of the loop. And then um, the only the only thing I have to say is I got to thank Dan Lynn because he they if, if they could have made a movie at any time then without mm-hmm. any input from me and that would have been it they oh, would have owned it forever that's scary and that's scary. to his credit he told me if we can't make a good movie I promise you we won't make one Uh-oh. and he did but I did have yeah. to wait the the total was a ten year oh. I did have to just wait that was rough. So yeah, when we did get the rights back, I had Vijay no, and I had no desire to let anybody know that it, that the rights were free. <laughs> sure, it's, it's a, a, a
0: secret. Time.
3: Yeah, we said fuck this. <laughs> that was that was not fun. I don't care if there's a movie. Bone has done what it's done. It's known and has done it without a movie. Screw that. Not doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, word got out within a week, <laughs> we, <laughs> and we got phone calls from like Apple, streaming services, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Netflix. Those were the big two, and they basically, you know, wanted to do it as a show,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and you know, actually serialize it and build the story in exactly the same way the comic book did. And uh, I'm thrilled. And that's well, the dream. Right now, yeah. We're, yeah, that's. I mean that that makes sense. Yeah. So, I, so we're happy. So where we're at in that right now is that we're in the writing stage. There's, they have to break the. They've broken the thing. The, they've got, they know what's going to be in each show, uh, and they're just we're we're in that stage right now. And then pretty soon
0: we'll start, you know, looking for animators and all that. Oh my God! Who awesome. would vo- voice phone bone? Bruce Willis. I don't know. We, have, no. we have
3: not. We have not to that stage yet, and I have never.
0: Yeah, how I do have, you even like think of that? Arm. Yeah, yeah. That's I like you could go any direction with it almost.
3: Yeah. I guess I kind of think you would need to be someone with acting chops, but who could have a small voice.
1: Mm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I and mean, I don't know who that would be, like Toby Maguire or something. Or... Hmm. Oh, yeah.
1: interesting. Yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> oh.
3: Yet, but but he had that ability to be Peter Pike, Peter Peter Piker. Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've only had look. I've only had two. So. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, I believe you. We believe you. <laughs> all right. Uh, but he was able to have you know all of the emotions. No, he that's like
0: really, yeah. I can like envision that after you said it. It's amazing, like voice acting, like the power of it. I mean, you see it with the new show, like Invincible, uh, that just came out. Like the casting is just insane. I've
3: mm-hmm.
2: not
0: seen
3: that, but I've read crazy good reviews. It's really, it, it's very enjoyable. genuinely surprised very gory, me. Yeah.
0: but that's the that's the
1: book. <laughs> well, I and you said it's going to stick as close to the as close to the book as possible for the the Netflix series. So I'm assuming we're we're not going to see what Boneville looks like.
3: Yeah, that's correct.
1: <laughs>
0: all right, that's but fair. A big bone of contention with
3: all the other studios.
0: They all oh, really. That's interesting. Huh. It's like it's like a like a <laughs> secret they want to know.
3: <laughs> one another well, well they just think in like a really linear way uh-huh. uh the lord of the rings movie started with this huge origin story backstory of mm-hmm. origin, right which is not the way the book is at all
1: right yeah
3: now i worked in the movie um so you know who maybe knows maybe it would work in the in a movie for Bonus. Eh. thank god i'll
0: never have to find it <laughs> <laughs> sure what is that? Uh, what is that uh, prequel book to Lord of the Rings? Like the Seller Marion? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the
3: Silmarillion. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm that,
3: sure a lot of that. A lot of that opening was from the Silmarillion. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some crazy stuff in that book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask since since you have come from the world of self publishing, and now there's this modern thing called Kickstarter that's self publishing. Have has it? improve the experience uh is there anything that's better when you were publishing before and and now with this digital like kickstarter thing it's it's not quite as as right of a fit
3: it it is it is a gigantic change i think Mm. it's so different that well let me let me back up and say like uh in the 90s um there were 11 comic book distributors now there's just one you know Diamond. But there are like a, at least 11, you know, right. there was there were regional. Some of them were national, some of them were regional. But mm-hmm. if if one of them didn't carry you a bunch of other ones would. So in that sense, um, this is a different landscape now for self-publishers. And um, I, I, I'd have to say, I like it that Kickstarter offers the self-publisher a way to get around gatekeepers, mm. sure. But I want to stress that even if we want to get around gatekeepers, we still want to be on store shelves, right? We still want to be in a comic, right? Well, so I'm not sure we've that's been quite figured out yet. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I'm excited enough about the attention and publicity that these things get, and not just for mm-hmm. me, but for a lot of a lot of these books. That this is a way to prove that your book is a viable product that's that is a big improvement that's a big improvement yeah Um, the only thing i'm worried about is that uh, it kind of it it kind of cuts out some of the middleman stuff which yes the gatekeeper part i don't miss Mm -hmm.
2: but
3: but but somehow that i don't want the retailers to be missed Mm. so we just we just we're gonna have to i'm I'm going to work with people and retailers and see if we can't figure that out. Maybe, maybe you guys are a very retailer-friendly site. I would, <laughs> I would think. I would think uh, maybe, maybe somehow, if this was a topic that was explored more,
0: how do we talk That's to? It's a really to... good question. Yeah, it's a really crazy time for for distribution too. Since um, mm-hmm. what is it? I think it's in August. Marvel's leaving Diamond and going to Penguin Random House. For their all their distribution,
3: uh, uh, and DC already did,
0: right? Yeah, they're using. Mm-hmm. I forget. Is it the Midtown Company? I forget the name of it. There, uh,
3: there was one. One of them was a major online. Uh,
0: uh-huh. Yeah, comic.
3: but I thought they backed away
0: from it. I it's think so. They hero. they chose one, yeah, DC Comics, but then it seems like most other like smaller publishers are going to continue to use Diamond at least uh, for like domestic. I know that a lot of publishers like Heavy Metal and. Um, mm-hmm. I think AWA are all using like Scholastic or some other options Mm -hmm. for like international delivery. I mean, COVID changed everything.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Since we moved, since we do a lot in the book market, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we, uh, we've, we use PGW, which is, Mm -hmm. that's a big distributor for us, but there, there, I remember when we first went to Scholastic, Mm -hmm. uh, Getting getting the Scholastic books versions of Bone into bookstores was difficult because they weren't used to that market and getting right. these, that kind of oh, yeah it was a, it was a real it was a it was a challenge yeah, in fact graphic novels entirely were a, a challenge uh, I mean the self publishers there was a there was a my generation really wanted to take uh, graphic novels and make them a renewable research resource for retailers. And we've got a lot of pushback for that. It's hard to, it's hard to believe now.
0: Right. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. the whole market now. now. <laughs> oh
3: yeah. Oh, well back then we, you could not sell a graphic novel on Amazon. Yeah. You could right? Not Ingram wouldn't touch a comic book, let alone a self-published one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, the landscape has changed so radically. Mm-hmm. From the Nineties. I, I can hardly even believe it. So it's 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 much better now. Uh, no no matter how you look at it, in terms of um, distribution, in terms of diversity, in terms of the kinds of comics there are, it's not heroes or guys who are feel left out of society. You know, it's there's <laughs> it, there's just everything now. It's so much better. So much
0: better. Awesome. That's great to hear. Are there any other books you'd like to talk about today or any other projects you have going on? Do you have an autobiography in the works?
3: No, no, God, Because no. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? I'd have to draw it. I wouldn't be able to do uh, it. That's, right. <laughs> I mean, that's such a pain in the ass. No
0: <laughs> Well, if there's any other uh, projects you'd like to talk about, would you uh, humor us with our last segment, Off Topic Top Shelf? Oh, um, of course. So in this last segment, uh, we just want to know what you're into right now that's not not comic books related. So it can be like hobbies or what you're watching or reading, anything like that.
3: I I often will find something to take my mind off of comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it could be anything. And I'll do a deep dive into it. Uh, recent or past topics have been like the Marx Brothers. I'll watch every... This is one penciling and inking. I'll watch every Marx Brothers movie. I'll read every biography. I'll read books on them. Um, And right now, uh, I'm into Sam Cooke, uh, the R&B singer. uh, And and I'm reading in parallel uh, the Mark Lewis and uh, Beatles anthology, Tune In, the big, big, fat one. And I'm reading that in parallel with uh, uh, Boogie Nights, The Triumph of Sam Cooke. So all Sam nice. Cooke is my deep dive right now. I'm watching documentaries on him. I'm listening to all his music. So uh, yeah, usually it's uh, usually it's either a, some figure from film. I'll get into noir, mm,
2: yeah.
3: or I'll get into a a director. Oh, I did. I had a huge Kurosawa and a huge John mm-hmm. Ford. Yeah, those were those both lasted like two years each.
0: So timeless yeah. those directors.
3: Oh my goodness, and and they have helped inspire and improve my art for sure. John Ford, never put the horizon line in the center. (laughs) Always put it at the top
0: or at the bottom. There was one of his (laughs) films, Spielberg said he watches it before he ever directs another movie. Like I forget which one of John Ford's films it was. One of his (laughs) classic ones. You probably Google it and find out, but yeah, it's- I will,
3: I will. I'm going to guess it's Stagecoach because that- That's probably
0: the one, yeah. That is
3: a tight, tight- thing that has a it's like a Spielberg. spielberg's are not i spielberg's almost like the beatles and spielberg are like perennial mm-hmm. i'll yeah, I, of course. I dive into them take a nice big drink
0: <laughs> i could watch oh. indiana jones like a billion times over uh, jaws. jaws
3: that's
1: yeah. the uh back in a tune in is that's the one that leads everything leading up to when the Beatles get into the studio, right? It's like all the early years stuff. Exactly.
3: It's, it goes was, right up until like they they get Ringo in the band and they've got yeah. a recording
1: contract. Someone someone was telling me about that. They're like this book's a thousand pages long and it ends right when they're getting started. You would love it. Like there's like if you're like into are you a Beatles are
3: you a Beatles oh fan?
1: yes a huge oh, Beatles dude, fan
3: I I don't know why I didn't buy, I'm a huge Beatles fan I have a huge Beatles library yeah they they've, every on the 50th anniversary of everything they put out a new album you know yes. You know, that's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a really good book. Oh, I can't. We uh... covered. We covered absolutely everything except really Tuki, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine with me, brother. Oh no, what that shit? was the first twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, we, we, covered, I'm kidding, we covered it. I am excited off. for uh, Peter Jackson's documentary. There, what is it? Uh, oh. It's like uh, get back. Yes, just recording yeah. the one song. That's so fascinating to me.
1: I watched. Yeah. Oh well, it's it's yeah. It's basically the answer to the Let It Be movie to show like you know they did they did get along like yeah. And right. uh, I got emotional just watching that little teaser they put oh, together. So good. Year. When
3: you, you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. For fifty years, yeah. Ah wanted to stab each other in the
1: back right right and then you um, just hear all the obla di obla da stories and yeah so
3: it's not it's not just it's not just the recording of get back it's the recording of the whole album let it be yeah and apparently there's 50 hours of filming that nobody's ever seen yeah and uh and what we glimpsed was that yeah they had so they had a couple arguments but mostly they were just the beatles having fun yeah, I can't wait, man. I it guess. makes you wonder, like,
0: what footage is sitting in some, like, drawer that people would value so much but we will never see. Right. Yeah. Like this recording. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we <we're> just... <laughs> <laughs> cut, cut it. Cut it right there. Well, Jeff Smith, thank you so much for being on the AIPT Comics Podcast. This has been a blast. Hey,
3: guys, it was a lot of fun. David, Nathan.
1: We really appreciate you. All right, man.